This is James Schofield, and you're listening to Behind the Bottom Line. I hope you've all been missing me and waiting for season seven to start. I've certainly missed you. This season has 10 episodes, and in each episode, I'll be reading one of the stories which I've written and which has been published over the last few years. And then I'll be telling you something about the real life background and where the people and the ideas came from. Today's story is called The Old King, and all I can say is, I hope this never happens to you. Before I start, I want you to imagine you're very old, lying in a hospital bed in a private room, when the nurse shows in two complete strangers who want to talk to you. Are you two from my lawyers? I told the hospital to call you ages ago. I'm here because of a little health issue I had the other day, but I need you because of a problem I have with my grandchildren. Now, I want you to listen to a recording I made of a phone call they had last week, talking about me, then you'll understand what I'm saying. So are you both listening? Are you listening? This is important. Here we go. Hello? Hi, Julia. George here. How are things? There they are. Little worms. I should never have made them joint company directors. In my company, which I created from nothing. It took me 60 years, but I've built a business with 800 people and sales offices around the world. Excellent first quarter sales figures. Economy is holding up at the moment, so the ROI is looking good. What about you? How was the sales workshop? That's how they always talk. They think they're so clever just because they went to university. They use all this economic mumbo-jumbo to try and confuse me. But I'd like to see how successful they'd be negotiating with one of those old-school Soviet industrial managers I had to deal with back in the 60s. Those two can barely drink a cup of tea, let alone a bottle of vodka over breakfast. Very well. I got Johannes to come along and tell them about some of the sales trips he used to do with Grandad. They loved him. Meh. Johannes Gutz is a friend and my first salesman in Germany. He retired ten years ago now, plays golf, goes on cruise ship tours with his wife Lotta, says it makes him very happy. The boredom would kill me. Anyway, George's and Julia's grandmother divorced me a long time ago. Sandra said I loved the company more than her, which was true, actually. How's Grandad? Hmm. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? I'll play it again. Hmm. In that hmm... There's everything you need to understand about what they think of me. Hmm, really means Grandad is being difficult to work with and won't listen to me. But it gets worse. I have to keep checking if he's taking his medicine. If he doesn't, he makes mistakes. 
and then he gets angry. That's a lie. She knows it's the other way round. It's the drugs that make me do stupid things. When I'm not drugged, I can see things clearly. I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to steal my company from me, and that makes me angry. Will he agree to talk to the banks, do you think? If we're serious about expanding into China, we need to borrow money from them. I don't know. He's suspicious of banks. See? She's criticising me again. But it's common sense. Never let the banks get their hands on your company. They're vultures. He's so volatile. It's going to be difficult as, as long as he's around. Do you hear that last part? No, damn you. Listen. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to shout at you, Miss... Miss... Whatever your name is. As long as he's around. Do you hear it now? Good. You see? Now they start plotting to get rid of me. George, I think we may have to intervene in some way. You know what worries me most is this new commercial agent he's hired in China, Eric Lin. The guy he visited in Shanghai. The one with all the business connections. Lin is good. He respects me and he has excellent contacts. Yes. But did you know Grandad has given him a Platinum American Express card without asking us? I only found out yesterday when both their November bills arrived on my desk. The two of them spent a huge amount on restaurants, nightclubs, casinos. Oh, God, give me patience. I don't have to ask for permission. It's my company, isn't it? We had a bit of fun. Why not? He's doing this in Shanghai. Jesus, Julia, he's putting the whole company at risk. If they entertain government officials and anybody finds out, then it'll be seen as corruption. It's not like 40 years ago. You can't do that sort of thing anymore. And China has really tough regulations. We have to stop this. Can you cancel the cards? I had my little incident when I lost my temper at a petrol station because I couldn't pay with any of my credit cards. I couldn't believe that they really would actually cancel them all, but they did. So, I want to... Much later, Julia Hill and George Mellon left the hospital and drove slowly back to the office. That was weird, said Julia. Why didn't he recognise us? The doctor think he had a small stroke as well as a heart attack, said George. And it's affected his memory centres. But it was lucky the hospital called us and not the lawyers. It could have caused complications. We'll have to get ownership transferred to us straight away. It's the only sensible thing to do to keep the company going. Of course... Julia was silent for a while, looking out of the passenger window. Do you think we were in any way responsible for this? She asked, finally. Julia, 
said George, keeping his eyes fixed on the road. We've done absolutely nothing wrong. It's not our fault he can't control his temper, is it? This story was written for Business Spotlight about five years ago. As is quite obvious, the story is inspired by King Lear, where the old king divides up his kingdom between his three daughters uh, and then is surprised when things start to go wrong. But more interestingly, it's based on something which I kind of indirectly experienced myself. Now, a few years ago, well, actually 20 years ago, I used to work as a freelance English teacher, teaching English in various companies in the Munich area. And one of the companies that I, that I had, uh, I grew to be quite attached to. There was a tiny company, only about 10 people, and they created small components for the car industry. And they were reasonably successful, very successful. And over the space of about eight years or so, I did quite a lot of work for them. And it was very much a family-run business. And every year they would go to the Oktoberfest, they would have a Christmas dinner, and they used to invite me along as well as their kind of pet English teacher. And my favorite person there was the financial controller. Uh, And she was the woman who'd hired me in the first place, and we got along quite well. And the founder of the company uh, was an elderly man, must have been about 70 when I knew him. And he was also an engineer. And he actually designed and created and patented the small components that the company manufactured. His son, who was supposed to be taking over the business, didn't really have much of an interest in the business at all. And I think really he saw it as a kind of bank machine uh, in order to uh, in, allow him to indulge his, his hobbies, which was basically riding. But for quite some time, the company was doing fairly well until the owner, when he was on a business trip, met somebody who claimed to be a wealthy Middle Eastern businessman. And he claimed he wanted to do business with this small German company. And he wanted to be the company's agent in the Middle East. Now, quite how he befriended the founder of the company, I don't know. Uh, But I remember turning up to do one of my English lessons, which used to take place in the boardroom, Sounds quite grand, but, but when you consider that the company was based in a building which was essentially a large flat with an upstairs and a downstairs, and the boardroom was really, was really what, if it was in a, uh, was being used for residential purposes, would have been one of the bedrooms. And on the floor was this huge carpet, which was, to be honest, was too big for the room, and I think it was even folded up at the edges. And the company owner, very proudly told me that this was a gift from this Middle Eastern businessman and that this was a sign that he was genuine and that they were going to do all sorts of huge business deals in the Middle East. What I soon realized was that my friend, the accountant, was extremely worried about this new connection because he started asking the company to do things for him. He wanted them to organize and pay for things for him, such as a visit to Germany together with his two wives. And they had to 
sent him the uh, organize the tickets and uh, organize the hotels and uh, he chose very expensive hotels and he also wanted the company to provide money to set up the sales office in the Middle East and the owner just went along with everything and when my friend tried to talk to him about it and discuss it with him and uh, uh, suggest that maybe this wasn't such a good idea he would fly into these rages and wouldn't hear anything about it and unless he was the owner ultimately he could do what he wanted um, his son wasn't interested at all what was going on just all he was concerned about was that he was getting his money and for the rest of the people working there there was really nothing they could do for various reasons i lost touch with them but a few years later I decided to go along the street to see if they were still there where they had been when, when I knew them. And I found that the office was now selling Harley Davidsons. And when I looked up on the internet what had happened to the company, I found that they had actually been wound up back in 2011. And although I've tried to find some of the people who used to work there, uh, I haven't been able to. And I don't know what happened to them and how the story finally ended. But I remember at the time it seemed to be terrible for them because they felt completely trapped and unable to do anything about what was going on. And my sympathies have always been torn in these cases because I really liked the founder. He'd been a very inventive and creative man. And it seemed so sad to me that somebody was destroying his legacy in this way because he actually felt that he was doing the best thing for the company. He really believed very strongly that this was going to help take the company onto a new stage. And I cannot imagine what it must have been like for him if at some point he finally realized that he'd been duped. And for the people who worked in the company, and who I think actually really loved this man, they not only saw everything that they'd been working for gradually disappearing and, and having the life sucked out of it by this, um, by this con man, they also saw somebody who they had always respected and admired and, and liked gradually disintegrating. The original version of the story had a very different ending, um, and it went like this. He's doing this in Shanghai? Julia, this is so risky. If Lim is entertaining government official and anybody finds out, then it'll be seen as corruption. China's very strict about that kind of thing. Can you cancel his card? Ha ha ha! Only I can cancel it. I may be old, but I'm not stupid. And tomorrow I'm flying to Shanghai, and then Eric and I will meet his contacts and get this deal done. I'll show my grandchildren who's boss. I don't need the police. Nurse, take them away. Take them away. Julia Hill and George Mellon left the hospital and walked slowly back to their cars. I wish we could find something else to interest him, said Julia. That recording is so negative. How many times a day does he play it, do you suppose? asked George. The nurses told me every time he sees a new face... And as he often forgets who people are, that's a lot of new faces every week. Do we need to buy a new cassette player? They're difficult to get hold of now. Oh, don't worry. I got two on eBay last month. 
and there are still another ten copies of the cassette. Being realistic, I think that should be enough, said Julia. Probably, but thank God he had that heart attack before getting on the plane to Shanghai, said George. At least he's comfortable here. It would have been awful if he'd been jailed in China. Lim's been sitting there for fifteen years now. So, as you can see, quite a different ending,、uh, and I quite like the ending. I think it's quite good. There's a quite a nasty little twist there, but I ditched it because I felt it made things too easy for the grandchildren. Their grandfather is clearly demented. They obviously did the best thing for him. Blah blah blah. And I want the listener to be not quite so sure about the way that old people are treated. Probably, I suppose, because I'm getting older, and maybe this is something that I'm going to face. Who knows? So I hope you enjoyed. This week's episode. If you'd like to leave a review or rating, and I would really love it if you did because it's enormously helpful for me, you can visit my website behindthebottomline.com, or you can go to Spotify and Apple and leave a review there. Next week's story is called Angela's Trumpet, and I hope you'll be back to listen to it. And until then, take care and goodbye.